You are now tuned into the Antidote Podcast with DJ Graphmatic and Paulie Dance. Subscribe now and please consider leaving us a 5-star review. Take the Antidote. Welcome back. This is the Antidote Podcast. You got Polly Dubs. Hello, hello. Graphmatic. Yes, sir. Got my bro in there, of course, man. Yeah, I do apologize if I sound a little stuffier under the weather, but uh, I promise I'm not contagious through these airwaves. So we're working hard to get the message out to you. And, uh, you know, one of the big things I noticed over the last week here is the 25th anniversary man i'm getting old 25th anniversary of illmatic one of the the classic legendary hip-hop albums of all time um 
if it's my favorite you, yeah you got it number one all that's, time that's my favorite album of all time yeah Absolutely. i would have to agree with that it, i would definitely say it's number one all time uh number one all most played cd i've ever had in my life and most listened hip-hop album ever but on, on top of that you know it had uh, it meant a lot to the culture of hip hop music. Kind of changed the changed the game uh, of rap music and uh, how it's accepted by critics as well as by the masses. Yeah, real talk. Um, Illmatic came in at a, at a good time of I what I consider introducing the golden age of hip hop. Pretty much, you know, hip hop was of course popular and popping at that time. But let's be honest, like Cats wasn't rapping like that back in 93 they started to you know what i mean yeah. 94 comes around and in a in a 17 year old kid 16 17 year old kid from from queens bridge new york decides to to come in on the scene and not only that he was like the first artist to bring in a bunch of different producers for every track versus yeah. how a lot of guys during that time were all were using one producer and using them as a group or a duo pretty much. And that's how they introduced themselves into the game. And Nas was uh, way ahead of the game with how he was doing it. Yeah. And it was uh, partially, you know, a lot of the old cats were hating on it, that, that he was bringing in a lot of different producers. They thought it was tainting the purity of, of rap at the time. And the thing about it, you know, Nas was uh, such a, a big up and coming voice that all these hot producers, like basically every hot producer in New York at the time was pretty much begging to get on these sessions to get on this and it you know if, when i go down the track list here and name off the producers from illmatic it's like a who's who of of producers uh you know all-time hip-hop producers starting with uh dj Premier produced a couple of tracks yep. new, york, new york state of mind and memory lane and les produced life's a bitch uh nas also has a co-producer credit on that as well as on the genesis faith n is the producer on the genesis uh, Pete Rock. Pete Rock is on there. The Large world professor. is yours. Large Professor has two of them, Halftime and One Time for Your Mind. Yep. Um, he also has It Ain't Hard to Tell. It was Large Professor. Yes, so, it was. Uh, and then you also got Q-Tip. Yeah, which is little known to people unless you really look it up or you knew as Q-Tip. And Q-Tip, I mean, here in a moment we'll get into producer conversation in terms of who we think are our favorite producers and producers to watch out for but q-tip definitely gets in that underrated conversation real talk uh for a lot of the things that he did and um of course coming coming with tribe but with, with everybody else that he actually produced for you know from janet jackson to prince to so many people like yo q-tip got the rhymes Busta Rhymes, yeah, he helped really launch that Busta Rhymes uh, career pretty much. He helped him out, uh, of course, when uh, the leaders of the new school and all that was dealing with all of them. So, yeah, most definitely, like, and coming up in that era, that's what makes Nas, you know, that great in, in that era is that he helped shine a light on a lot of these producers. Like, outside of DJ Premier, DJ Premier got his start early um, dealing with, with Gangstar. Yeah. And they dropped in 1989. You know, uh, he, he started getting his his name out there early. But, um, you know, even Large Professor, Large Professor started out in the early 90s and everything, working with some uh, younger duos and things like that back in that time. But really, Nas was like the, the flow, the, the, the way that he brought it, it. It literally changed the game at that time. 
when it comes to emceeing and you see that lyrical gritty New York style, like everybody had that kind of same cadence. And then here comes, here comes, you know, nasty Nas with, with, with the types of bars that he was laying in the, in the delivery was way ahead of his time um, at that time. And I really think he helped open the doors for a lot of cats who were trying to rap like that, man. And uh, Illmatic is still one of the most powerful records, you know, from one love to uh, life's a bitch is still a personal favorite. That's, that's actually one of my favorite songs of all time as well. Um, Of course with a, it ain't hard to tell. Um, but personally, like Life's a Bitch was is always been one of my favorite songs. And he got his dad on it, so I thought that shit was dope. His yeah. dad playing the trumpet on there at, at the end and uh, you know, killing it and shit. And man, Ill Illmatic. Talk about talk about the the impact you think Illmatic had for not only hip hop but just uh black music in general during the nineties. I think it kinda, you know, was a big transition. Um from kind of the the old school, the 80s style, Public Enemy, uh, Tribe Called Quest, Eric B and Rakim kind of to more telling the stories of the streets. Um, I mean, you you can say um, straight out of Compton, <laughs> NWA. NWA. So, so NWA <laughs> on the West Coast. <laughs> I couldn't come up with the name, man. But NWA <laughs> on the West Coast, right? They were the first ones to really kind of bring the message of the streets and Nas is really doing it in a way of telling the stories of the streets and what right. it's like, you know, growing up in the projects where, you know, basically you got to scramble every day and make sure you, you can eat that day where, you know, you're out there hustling pretty much. And he, he's telling the stories in, in an excellent storytelling way. It's very artistic. Uh, and it's just crazy that, you know, he was 17 years old when he started writing the album Elmatic. Right. And he he was very, uh, when we talk about storytellers in the game, uh, we talk about some of the best storytellers in the game. And of course, like um, he, he reminds me of, of Slick Rick. Slick Rick, yes. of course, being one of the greatest storytellers in, in the game for sure. But even take, I think he took it to another level, the way he told the stories. Um, and, and you could even hear it in pretty much in every song it, it, during that time and him writing that out. It was like literally... Uh, a story of of him grinding it out and also talking to like one love one love is like one of the dopest stories out there um that he that he spoke and you know just just putting it all together in in a poetic fashion the way he did was really uh at the top of the game and and you kind of said it pretty much right on, on on time is that um you know he was helping transition the game from that 80s kind of format and also how it was uh laid out to changing the game in, in general and putting in a lot of his own flair into it and, and literally kind of just changed the formatting of what we saw in the nineties, as far as for rappers and, and the styles that came to play afterwards. Like, yeah, definitely, definitely a pioneer in the game. And um, shout out to Nas, man. I know he's going on tour. Um, he's actually going on tour with Illmatic with, uh, well, I know Mary he's going to do with, Yeah. Mary J. He's going to do it with Mary J. I wonder if he's just going to do Illmatic. Um, in its entirety, which I'm sure he would, you know, being the 25th year. Um, but it's like amazing accomplishment because he's also done so much with that album, you know, playing it with the orchestra, you know, the, the, the playing in New York with the or orchestra, yeah. at Carnegie Hall, You're like, yo, that was like top level shit. And uh, some of the best shit that I've heard, you know, 
putting it together that way. And I personally got to see Nas perform Illmatic in, 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 uh, in its entirety, shit, uh, <laughs> with DJ Premier and Pete Rock battling before he actually did Illmatic. Damn. Um, yeah, that was probably the most lit shit I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I saw that at South by Southwest. It was one of the dopest experiences ever watching my favorite MC uh, do his whole album. And I'm sitting there spinning it word for word. And then you got Pete Rock and and DJ Premier spinning tracks and going at each other, kind of like a, a battle almost. And then getting into Nas's set, like it, it was wild. Um, you yeah. don't get to see shit to that amplitude. Um, there's few, very few in in all of the music who can do something like that and and make it transcend to where people of every race pretty much could could get into, it, especially if you love hip hop. Yeah, most definitely. And also you have to understand, like in terms of pop music, hip hop's first kind of breaking into the mainstream at this time in the early 90s. Uh, this is the time of MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice. So yeah. they're the the first two guys that really charted really high with hip hop or rap. I mean, if, if you consider that garbage hip hop or rap anyway, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was pop music is what it was. Yeah. But, it's pop, bro. <laughs> but it got everybody, you know, it got the general public more open and aware to it as opposed to, you know, in the eighties and the Tipper Gore and two live crew and NWA yeah, and all that stuff there. But I don't yeah, know. Nas, for us all. Nas kind of just on the, this album, he kind of brought together all types of, of black art together into yeah. one. Cause you know, it's got, um, so it's, all of the beats are jazz based Right. Right. So it's it's jazzy hip hop. And then he, he brings kind of the street poet edge to it, like Jill Scott Heron. And and then, you know, it's hip hop. So all, all the pioneers before him. And this album, I think, forever makes Nas King of New York. I mean, when you think of New York music, you know, you probably think of Frank Sinatra and Nas. Yeah. And there's going to be people who disagree. They're going to have Jay-Z up there. I feel that too. But um, Illmatic came first and both, don't get me wrong, both projects were really good. Reasonable Doubt was really great. That's a great album as well. Has some classic shit also with some, with some, uh, you know, DJ Premier production on that. But Nas kind of set that standard because he started it in 94 and Reasonable Doubt didn't come until late 95, basically 96 is when it took off. So you know, it, it, Illmatic had already been bubbling in the in the in the city for that two years, pretty much before. Yeah, and there was and there was hype behind Illmatic for like a year before that, before it even dropped. Oh yeah, for sure, because everybody was fucking with him in the streets because he was a street boy. Everybody knew who Nas was, and they knew that he was putting together some rhymes, and of course, working with uh, Cormega and and everybody that he grew up with, Az. You know, they uh, they all could flow. And just him getting that that first step into it uh, really launched what I feel like was that golden era of hip hop for sure. And of course, there was some others in there beforehand who really started to set that bar too. Don't get me wrong. Of course, we talking like uh, Tribe and um, and Dela, but then you got then you got Illmatic. Like Illmatic is is still you know up there and and as far as hip-hop you got it everybody i talk to in hip-hop at least has it better be in your top five and if it's not that means you just don't know shit about hip-hop um but almost most people i would say 90 percent of people i know they would have illmatic is the best hip-hop album of all time um and that and, and that still remains to be true in my eyes 
Um, people, some people disagree, but hey, that's on you. I'm going with the majority as well. But also, you know, it was a, it was a big time for me with growing up. I, I just clicked with it personally, and that's what people have to find with their music is how does it click with you personally? And um, it honestly brings me back to to some of the greatest moments of my childhood chilling with my oldest brother and him just getting back from job corps and uh he was just had learned and i had posted this on facebook because this, this is kind of a cool little story or whatever it's like uh nas is definitely big into the asiatic knowledge of self movement during that time you hear a lot of it during there you know talking about knowledge of self what mm-hmm. up son you know what up dog uh what up god you know stuff like that and my brothers and them my cousins all grew up doing all that so the first real joint that I got into hip hop wise was Illmatic. That was like the first joint that I ever got introduced to for hip hop. And outside of that with Wu-Tang and the 36 Chambers, that was the next one right after that. But literally Illmatic was, was what set the bar for me to love hip hop. And that's why I fell in love with hip hop was listening to Life's a Bitch. So me personally, that's, that has a connection to that story. So I, I always have to, I always have that in my heart is like, okay, this is the shit. And I listened to it for such a long time in my childhood uh, and even growing up still that it's like, damn, it really had that kind of impact. And and, and, it, and a lot of cats really sleep on it for real. Um, but 25 years later, man, it's still, it's still one of the, the greatest albums of all time in general. And definitely uh, still holds, holds true for me as the greatest hip hop album of all time. And we've gotten some new classics since then and all that kind of stuff. And we had, of course, the Jay-Z's and everybody else. Shit, after you that. had uh, just a couple months later in 1994. I'm sure we'll be talking about this when it comes up 25th anniversary coming up of ready to die. Yeah. Ready to die. Yeah. Biggie. Um, yeah, also right around the same time. Album. Also a classic. Also a classic. Um, I don't know if I have it as high. I think, of course, Life After Death was better to me. Um, a lot of people, you can go back and forth. I think Biggie's at his rawest there, but his best songwriting was in, at least in my opinion, to, yeah. uh, into Life After Death. But, yeah, definitely talking about uh, some of the greatest albums and things like that. We'll, we'll definitely have some more conversations around greatest albums of all time uh, coming up because we're approaching – uh, the end of the twenty, the end of the twenty ten era, pretty much, yep. and we'll be at twenty twenty next year. So we're going to talk about definitely the uh, top top albums of the decade, but then kind of compare those in this decade because I think we're re-entering a new um, golden era. At least from my standpoint, I think this is the best time in music.
so to kind of blend all of that together, we wanted to even introduce or talk more about the producing side of it, man, the, the yeah. production. Unsung uh, heroes. The uns, yeah, the, the most unsung and underpaid people of all the game in some in in most fashions um, is the producer and the guys who make it sound the way it is. Like, yeah, the dude's got flow, but the beats is what make you ride to it and want you to play it again. And uh, yeah, producer wise, man, um, let's talk about our Mount Rushmores, man. Go ahead, Polly. What, yeah. what, what is your top five? Uh, favorite producers of all time. Top five fa- favorite producers of all time. All right, so can't have the conversation without talking about Jay Dilla. I'd have to put him at number one just because of of influence and um, just beautiful body of work. You know, just so inspirational to to so many different people, and uh, just really changed the game sampling and looping and and things like that would would you have jay dilla as your number one spot i do i do have jay dilla as my number one he's the most influential producer uh for me definitely uh getting into you know looking at the shining and uh donuts and everything else that that he did uh he helped embody what to me hip-hop was and he inspired some of the next wave and generation literally a generation of producers after him and that's that's the biggest impact that you can have you know a lot of people uh you know somewhat emulate their 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 the person that they look up to the most and i think pretty much everything that you hear today is a remix of some dilla shit especially on the hip-hop side of it so yeah definitely yeah you can hear those offbeat dilla drums like on so many uh hip-hop releases that it's crazy um gonna assume that most people do know who jay dilla is those of you that don't stop listening to us right now and just look up jay dilla and listen to his music for the rest of the day but he's worked with uh, <laughs> <For real. laughs> he worked with tribe called quest de la soul the far side the roots common erica badu buster rhymes mad lib and i mean you know common the light that's probably my favorite jay dilla beat yeah that's definitely one of my favorite songs. Definitely top three Jay Dilla beats of all time. It's one of my favorites as well. And uh, a lot of people love the far side, right? And it's like, yeah. they don't even know that Dilla pretty much produced that whole album. He did. Uh, he did Lab Cab in California. He made the entire album. That was he right when he moved album, to man. LA. I don't remember the whole story about it, but he was being offered like a shit ton of money to go to New York. And he said, no, nah, I'm going to go work with these underground cats in LA called the far side. And, they put out Lab Cab in California. It's a classic album as well. Classic. Definitely yeah. a classic album. Top 50 albums of of all time for hip hop. You got to put the far side in there. And mm-hmm. um, definitely just the whole, you know, passing me by, uh, uh, everything else that's on there. Running. Running. Uh, I mean, you're you're talking about some of the best production and one of the best hip hop groups of all time uh, being being all produced by Jay Dilla's nuts. <laughs> I still can't, I still can't wrap my mind around that sometimes. Right. Um, like water for chocolate commons album. Yep. Also a classic entirely produced by Jay Dilla. Um, I know I had, I know I had some, some help in there, um, you know, with some of the sounds and stuff, but definitely Jay Dilla had the majority of that touch on there. Um, like water for chocolate, obviously another classic, um, it's common sense, man. It's common. <laughs> like, he did the he did the whole tribe album, right? Um, 
he didn't do the whole album, but he did a lot of the he did a lot of the production on the Tribe album as well. Um, and that was uh, the uh, People's Midnight. Instinctive Travels. Yes, or... yes. I was gonna say Midnight, but Midnight was before that. So yeah, um, and even then, I think he had a few. I think he had a few features on Midnight Marauders too, where he was kind of working with some stuff on there too. Um, and that's yes. kind of where he. He, he went hand in hand with Q-Tip a lot and the Soulquarians uh, along with that. Yeah, as well as the UMA, the group, the UMA, um, which was like a another underground collective, um, which was Q-Tip, uh, Jay Dilla, and I forgot who else was in the uh, the UMA as well. But the, yeah, the, so they had the Soulquarians and then the, and the UMA, and these are all collectives that all kind of work together. You know, Most Def was in there for sure because he was doing a bunch of rap stuff with them. Um, and then Black Star, you know, Talib, of course, Talib Kweli. So they're just, a, man, he had a lot of influence on on that underside of of just the production. Like, man, and, and again, his influence was so heavy. Okay, so the Uma was Q-Tip, Ali Shaheed Muhammad, and Jay Dilla. And they uh, also had Rafael Sadiq and D'Angelo occasionally work with the Uma. The Uma produced the Love Movement by Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, man. So he did the whole album with uh, Q-Tip and Ali Shaheed Muhammad on that one. And Ali Shaheed Muhammad is so slept on because he's been around for a long time too. And uh, he's still doing stuff out there. He's still, he, matter of fact, he did a lot of work recently with Ghostface on, um, you know, doing some of Luke Cage and um, some of that stuff. So, I mean, there's been a, man, there's been a, a lot of uh, people that have been influenced. And again, you hear the names, D'Angelo, Q-Tip, um, these are heavy, heavy hitters in the game and some of the best of the best. And um, they, they all had a hand in it, man. Or, and Dilla had a, a lot of hands in it. And he, like you said before, he kind of transcended the game when it came to the sampling and the off, the off kilter uh, beat match now of how he, he put his, his, his snares and things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really unmatched and really unheard of. And a lot of cats could never um, even try to manipulate that especially at that time um really nobody was 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 fucking with jay dill at all um so definitely jay dill has got to be number one in my book yeah and we haven't even brought up slum village i don't think in this couple of no we didn't even talk slumville and they did all of slumville he did all of slumville yeah, he's, he's one third of slum village uh he did all the production on that and as well as a third of the rapping on it and uh, jay dilla rest in peace jay dilla forever uh life tragically cut short um, at like age 32 so but I, we both agree he's the goat yeah for sure um, yeah, so let's see. see here top five so we've got to keep going man I gotta mention Kanye West I gotta have him in my top five I won't say he's number two but I've got to put him in my top five okay I respect um, that so the reason I would have to have him in there is I'm a sucker for that jazzy soul production. So when he first came on the scene, he, you know, was was probably the goat at that kind of, you know, sampling voices and making them part of the beat. He kind of changed the whole game with that. Uh, as an artist, he's always evolving. He never really gets stuck in one sound. You know what I mean? Like every album is yeah. completely different. He's always yep. pushing the envelope and always pushing the envelope to where you, this cat drops an auto tune album, you know, heartbreaks and 808s. And immediately, like, I thought it was garbage. I 
Didn't want to listen. <laughs> you and like everybody else, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, what what the hell is this? But if you look at it in retrospect, if you look at it at that album right now, if you listen to that album right now, yes, and compare that album to what you hear on top forty radio or uh, urban uh, urban radio stations like hip hop stations and stuff like that, damn, that's yeah. all from 808s and, and heartbreaks. Real shit. Like uh, everything, like Drake's whole career is influenced by that album. Like, <laughs> for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? Post Malone's whole career based off of that album. Any of these, you know, people, like that album really changed the game and it's like his worst piece of work. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. You said it right, retrospectively. Um, when you got to look at it and listen again, I st- I actually fucked with it right away. A lot of people didn't and they thought I was crazy. Um, I actually liked it a lot because Welcome to Heartbreak and um, So Amazing were like some of my favorite tracks, bro. Um, <laughs> I yeah. love So Amazing. And they, like you said, that, that, that auto-tune, but that hard-hitting, t- 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 like it was just crazy. I was like, yo, this beat pattern is stupid. How can't you like this right now? Like it sounds like you're in the African jungle mm-hmm. um, running through that bitch. <laughs> so yeah, so that's crazy. He goes from the soul beats to that. And then yeah. from there he goes to like overproduced, like top of the line, I mean massive arena kind of sound albums. Uh right. Watch the Throne and My Black Dark Twisted Fantasy. Yeah. That completely switching from that and then to follow up those albums he comes up with yeezus which i still don't think people are ready for what that album was yeah i wasn't a fan of yeezus and i'm still not I'm probably it's still gonna probably take me a while for to get to it but like songs like uh um black skin head and um new slaves mm-hmm. and shit like that th- those were some crazy ass tracks and i love the production on like new, new slaves is one of my favorite joints of recent from kanye in the newer in the newer era for sure um so i i can man i'm not even mad at you for where you have kanye and you said you don't know if he's number two so let me ask you this basically from two to five it could be a toss-up is that what you're saying yeah from two to five it could probably be a toss-up okay um so and, yeah, definitely and I'm, kanye, I'm having there too. the game on there you know, as well as a big portion for the same reason I, I have Kanye in there. I'd have to have Dr. Dre in there as well. Okay. Just for influence on the game. Um, the Chronic, another game-changing album. Was that from 1994 as well? No, that was uh, 92, I think. Yeah, yeah I believe it was okay. 92. It was like late 92 and really popped off in 93. Okay, so The Chronic, um, you know, introducing Snoop Dogg to the world, just, just alone on that. And then, you know, NWA, everything before that, uh, bringing Ice Cube and Easy E on his production, and Dr. Dre just thought we'll have to be there just as a, as a massive name uh, of all time. Like he would have to be on the Mount Rushmore of of rap producers, my yeah. opinion. Um, and then I'd have to have DJ Premier on there because I'm a sucker for Gangstar. Gangstar probably like some of my favorite shit ever. Yeah, so we'll talk rest in peace, Guru. Yeah, rest in peace, Guru. That just passed on the anniversary of his passing too. So, yep. uh, I don't and, know. And, uh, actually, uh, DJ premier posted on his IG, I think actually yesterday or the day before, um, their first album, it just hit it's, uh, 30 something year. Cause it came out in, um, Oh yeah. It was 30. Like, I think it's 30 years. I think cause it was 89 when it came out. Yeah. But I think it's actually 30 years this, this, um, this year. 
um, since their first album came out uh, as Gangstar. So that's pretty yeah. dope. Fuck yeah, man. So yeah, I would definitely have to have uh, DJ Premier on there. Some some classic beats, just a, a classic sound, uh, you know, they, a timeless sound. Like DJ Premier beats would still be hot, you know, 20 years from now. Right. Uh, and then um, would have to have Pete Rock on there as well. Yep. So a lot of East Coast influence. So good thing, I guess, I, I put Dre on there. And <laughs> most importantly, I just didn't want motherfuckers to think that I forgot about Dre. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, at least uh, you did, because uh, definitely uh, ours is actually pretty similar. So um, I think that's pretty dope. I think ours, ours is actually pretty similar. Um, I kind of, at my number five, I just have like a toss up of who I could put there too. So okay. I'm going to kind of ramble through mine as well. So definitely we talked about Dilla at one. I actually have Pete Rock in my number two. And the reason why I have Pete Rock in my number two is um, his, again, his influence to me uh, doing, you know, uh, Nas was very big to me. And I also was a big fan of Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Ooh, so yeah, he, both those albums fire. Both of those albums were fire, um, you know, and, and reminisce, reminisce, over you probably one of my favorite tracks of all time as well as far as a hip-hop joint um p-rock definitely had just the touch uh, of of the music and even now he's still going and he's still dope as shit like the peach Jimenez, um series yeah. that he has he's been doing that for like 20 years almost now and they're still so good and i actually wait for him all the time and he just dropped that joint uh recently or, or is getting ready to and it's like yo it, Yo, he's he's just a monster, man, and he, he still uses he still uses all his old equipment. You know, he's using the SP twelve hundred. He's still using the MPC one thousand and MPC two thousand. Like he still hasn't really switched up from it, and then he still just adds and builds on top of it. Um, you don't see too many guys doing that who's using that old analog sound and can still make it sound the way they do now. Um, yeah, and one of my favorite Pete Rock beats is uh, the joy on watch the throne yes kanye yes, and jay-z yes the joy uh just the way he flipped that curtis mayfield right so dirty like very very unique way to to flip it and and turn it into that beat is awesome awesome song if you have never heard it yeah if you've never heard it if you never heard that track i mean you're slipping already as it is but um i mean just just everything that he's done you know working with the uh the main ingredient from back in 94 i love the main ingredient too right. my brother was a big fan of of them um you know mecca and the soul brother <laughs> i remember hearing about them you know way back too so i mean he and he's worked with everybody too i mean again since 89 he actually uh produced and co-produced a lot um with heavy d you know back in the late late 80s and brand newbie and kid and play i mean the, the list goes on um he definitely did a lot of shit with a lot of cats and I, I really respect him. Um, he's always been a beast and yeah, he's just always going to be kind of there in, in that, um, in that life for me. And then um, number three, number three for me, it actually was kind of an easy choice, but it took me a minute was, was, was Timbaland. Okay. Um, I Great really choice. respect the shit out of Timbaland coming from VA. Um, Timbaland to me, remixed a lot of that 90s sound and he had his own sound like it, it was you knew when it's a Timbaland beat like you kind of know when it's somebody's beat you knew yeah. it was a Timbaland beat by the sound of his drums he had the only drums that he had was his sound it was his drums you knew it was his 
um, those kind of those weird noises. Like think about all the Aaliyah music and everything that he helped produce during Aaliyah's big coming up and blowing up in the nineties um, into the early two thousands, like her whole sound, the whole Missy sound, um, Timbaland and Magoo. Uh, oh, Missy Elliott, another underrated producer. Yeah, Missy, Missy's in there, I and mean, you know, definitely Timbaland was in there showing her everything, and that's how she kind of got her her taste of everything. Is Timbaland said, "Well, damn, you can produce your own shit," and he taught her how to do it. And and Timbaland, of course, just uh, again transcended a lot of shit to me too. He changed a lot of things, and I think he helped push the barriers for cats because he was working with R and B cats that uh, people would be scared to really work with or, or couldn't work with. He, he was working with them, you know, the Justin Timberlakes, the NSYNCs, uh, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Like, he's worked with all of those big names that you heard in, in that timeline. He worked with them. Right, like, he worked with Bubba Sparks, on, too. He, he worked with Bubba Sparks, yo. I mean, literally all the, the these one-hit wonders, not only one-hit wonders, but just big groups of people, um, especially that boy band and, and, and pop girl era, he destroyed that. Like he, it was, that was all him. Like there was a lot of shit that he was funneling around at that time. And, um, you got to respect him for, for his level, man, his level, um, tweet tweet was like one of those underrated R and B artists. I love tweet. And, um, he, he kind of found and discovered that. And, you know, he's been doing it for a long time, man. He's been doing it until long for a long time. I mean, some of Jay-Z's biggest hits, think of dirt off your shoulder, like two thousands, right. All that kind of shit. He was doing all of that. Basically, anything that came on the blueprint too was produced by two people, and it was either Timbaland or Pharrell. And that's actually who I have in number four is Pharrell. Okay, number um, four, Pharrell. All right, <laughs> I gotta have Pharrell up there. Uh, me and you were talking about it, and I really had to go back and think about how much I think I actually love Pharrell's production because he's been doing it for so long. And there was a lot of a lot of songs that a lot of cats weren't really up on game about. Um, that he did or you know he had the influence of and Pharrell's been around a long long time too like he's been around since um, since the 90s too and we're talking like almost uh, as far back as Teddy Riley type days and shit like that you know he was on um, Rump Shaker right yeah Pharrell he has a credit yeah he has a credit yep and and it's like damn you you even touched that like <laughs> see he Rex helped and effects yeah Rex and effects I mean he helped build that that sound actually that that new Jack Swing he helped Teddy Riley with building new Jack Swing and all those kinds of things like he got a lot of different shit um, and we're and we're talking about Pharrell man this is this is Pharrell Williams um, <laughs> yeah definitely the Star Trek Neptune's label and everything that, that they stand for. I mean, come on. They, they pretty much transcended a lot of shit too. You're talking about changing and transcending. Uh, Pharrell did a lot of that as well. You hear a lot of newer artists give a lot of respect to Pharrell because of the way that he pushed sounds from uh, everything, man. And he had all those like weird twangs too. And you knew it was a Pharrell B too. Like as soon as you heard the track, you knew it was Pharrell. Yeah. Right, you, you know, know the, by his, his kind of drums. Yeah, yeah, his kind of drums, his sneering, his uh, his breakdowns were different. You know, I just want to love you from from Jay Z is always going to be one of my favorite Pharrell joints of all time. Just because that track was always wild, it's still a club banger. You can drop that today, and the shit's gonna still go crazy. Um, th- that kind of level, man. Like he he literally touched so much shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he worked with like Gwen Stefani. Um, he's worked with everybody. 
Yeah, he's worked with literally everybody. Like, there there pretty much isn't anybody that he hasn't dealt with. And he's produced some of the biggest hits of all time, um, you know, when it, when it comes to some of the music that he has dealt with. Um, he's produced for Fall Out Boy. <laughs> I mean, who would think that Pharrell is producing for Fall Out Boy? Um, you know, he's done every every hip-hop artist has gone to him. He like did a whole uh, original motion picture soundtrack with doing Despicable Me, like... Yeah, Happy, one of the biggest songs of all time. Yeah, for sure. Over the last 10 years, for sure. For sure, definitely. Oh, not even just that one. Robin Thicke, even though he stole it. (laughs) I can't say that he he did try to do something. It did sound very similar to that track, but I mean, still. um, When when do you not hear blurred lines most of the time at any party with white people, Mm -hmm. black people, whatever? Um, You know, he he did a whole, he produced a whole Gloria Stefan album. I didn't even know that shit. Stefan is literally a a OG in that game, and she and he produced a whole album. I'm seeing nine tracks here um, <laughs> that he worked that he worked and he co-produced it with her husband Emilio and stuff on, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, that's him on top of it, but he's produced for Frank Ocean, Usher, uh, anybody, man. Like, there's just you go across the board. He's produced for them. He's made songs with them. Um, even. Uh, Kendrick Lamar up to, really? up to Kendrick anybody you know Ariana Grande Sweetener is like 80% Pharrell beats yeah and that and you see how crazy that album went and sold and and did and um everything that he's accomplished with that like man you he just has a proven track record and all the way back to like nothing nothing is one of my favorite beats too nothing what you trying to do nigga hey I love that story <laughs> nothing is still like one of the hardest tracks ever like that's that's the type of shit i'm talking about he could almost even move up the list because pharrell really got that yeah it also he, seems like the coolest dude in the world right oh yeah for sure definitely he seems <laughs> nobody, said, nobody says nothing bad about p for real uh skateboard p is the realest and he probably and he probably hasn't aged a day i think he's an alien because he looks the same <laughs> like, i've never seen a dude who's never like aged any in 20 um, years yeah, like real talk, bro. Like he looks like the same dude. Like, how old like do you think shit. that dude is? Yeah, everybody thinks he's. Uh, how old do you think he? I think he's closer to. Uh, he's got to be almost fifty if he's working with Ter- Teddy Riley. Yeah, he's, he's forty six. Yeah, see, look at that. 46. He's got to be almost fifty. He looks younger than both of us. For real. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's probably done way more drugs than we have. So, <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so how do you keep that? Uh, how do you keep that going? Uh, for But Pharrell, yeah. I mean, it just, just it, it's Pharrell. Like, man, definitely. And yeah. then at five, I kind of have a lot of a toss up because it's, there are so many influential uh, producers. When you said Kanye, um, Kanye was also in that number. I, so I basically call it five through nine. They're all tied. Um, at fifth, and so they're all five, five, five until you get to the last person or whatever. Um, but I got Premier, uh, DJ Premier, of course, DJ Premier. It's DJ Premier, like come on, man. yeah. Um, he helped embody what what is hip hop today. Not only is he one of the best producers, he's one of the coldest DJs ever, and it's just DJ Premier. Then you got the Alchemist. The Alchemist to me is <laughs> such is just so dope. Alchemist is just so dope. Um, all the work that he did with with Mob Deep and all that stuff back in the day, like uh, Helter Skelter and so many, you know, working with the Wu and everything that that Alchemist has done um, from years and years and years uh, is so slept on. 
And but he's definitely up there for me because it's the Alchemist, man. And he's still doing it. He's still killing it. And I remember even hearing him rapping and shit. And I just would laugh and be like, yo, who's this goofy ass white dude when I was a kid? And I'm like, oh, but he produced that. And I'm like, oh, shit. What? <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, this dude's rapping. He's, he's a corny little looking white dude. But the dude can, he had some bars, but he's an even way better producer. Um, and still doing it to this day, producing shit. That Fetty w- recently with with Freddie Gibbs and uh, Currency is just crazy. And all yeah. the projects that Currency has with the Alchemist, like Alchemist can, de- you can definitely tell like that dude just has his shit together. Like, yo, he's. Action Bronson, right? Works with him a lot. Yeah, Action Bronson. Uh, Ghostface has done a lot of work with Alchemist. Like, just just his bodies of works as well like he you can't sleep on alchemist at all and he drops beat tapes like every month yeah he and he's still doing it and that's what i love mm-hmm. about him too is that he's still doing it he's still um putting all of this shit out and and doing it at a great rate and still doing it really well like it's yeah. not it's not terrible you know how some people have that plateau um you know where they kind of suck uh, I, I still have yet to find that with the alchemist. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that'll ever come for him because he, he's just that good. Like he's worked with everybody, man. Evidence, rock Marciano, of course, like I just said, uh, um, mob deep, rest in peace, prodigy. Um, you know, he's worked with Swiss, Jay-Z, Kanye, Lil Wayne, Drake. I mean, literally everybody, uh, future, uh, he's done some shit. He has some features with Jay Dilla where he helped with Jay Dilla shit. Like literally these, these guys are, are, are just stars and he's worked with them all. So you got to give him yeah. some credit there and you got to, got to put him up there. And and a lot of people actually have Alchemist in their top 10 as well. So I fucks with it. Totally um, agree. Large professor to me yeah. is up there as well. Large professor did a lot of work um, in his early heyday as well. And, you know, working with big L um, Big L is one of my favorite MCs um, that was cut too short and definitely uh, large professor uh, OG in the game uh, mad respect to him and, and his works and he kind of came in the, with that same timeline as as the DJ premieres and everybody like that so mad respect to him I know there's a lot of East Coast uh, Kanye is mixed in there and then I also have Manny Fresh um, mm, that's, <laughs> man. that's that's my southern one that's my southern one because I got a rep for the South and I grew up on a lot of South music. There was a lot of different producers back in the day that I think were slept on like DJ Paul from three, six mafia. I love three, six mafia. Yeah. Did you see DJ Paul sued Travis Scott? Yeah. I saw that today for 20 million, bro. I was like, you ain't getting that shit. Travis Scott ain't make 20 million off that album, bro. (laughs) Exactly. He didn't even make 20 million off the album and that song, let alone, let alone the sue him. That was like one of the top selling albums last year. Bet you he didn't make 20 mil off that album. No, I guarantee you he didn't because everything was streamed. And then now you're trying to hit him over the head like Juice World. He thinks he's DJ Paul thinks he's U2 or something. He thinks he's Marvin Gaye. Yeah, right. Sue him for real. To, to go that high. Um, so, yeah. So, and then Manny Fresh, of course. Like, Manny Fresh um, literally put the South on the map and, and, and helped bring up the Cash Money Army. That Cash Money sound that real cash money sound, man. Um, I mean, look at it, Juvie, Wayne, uh, baby, big timers, all of it, bro. Like that, that whole, that whole section and pocket of music was very pivotal to the game. A lot of people say that they kind of fucked up the game. I've heard some of those, Oh man, the South fucked up the rap game. Nah, there, there was a lot of capping back in the day too, way before 
niggas thought that the South was killing the rap game. But when you're talking like production wise, Manny Fresh was was definitely on that next level doing that that other shit, you know, and, and bringing that NOLA sound to the to the mainstream. And I love it because yeah, he basically helped build cash money. Like they don't give him enough credit. And he's the reason why he's pretty much half of the reason why cash money is what it was, uh, what it was and what it is today. So. Um, yeah. And just that, you know, definitely influenced the, the entire like trap sound. Yeah. No doubt. Atlanta. Yeah, definitely. Taking that whole net, the whole NOLA sound and uh, everybody else and then started coming in in the trap. So um, kind of flipping it and slowing it down a little bit more, but um, you know, then of course they had the Texas producers and stuff like that, but even then, and then, you know, DJ premier being from Houston, he produced a lot for Scarface and um, shit like that. But um yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that's that's real shit. I mean, t- to me, that's like literally those those that fifth place is kind of a toss up. I got them all in there. Yeah, um, I got ten there that I named, and pretty much anybody can fit into that five in that group. However, which way I kind of feel on a certain day, any of them could be at number five. But definitely one through uh, four is kind of locked in for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, man. Like I said, it's a it's a tough decision to make, especially you got to sit down and some of these guys have tremendous bodies of work like Timbaland or Pharrell. Yeah. Um, you know, they, it was tough actually putting that shit together when we were trying to talk about it. Cause I, I also yeah. have, have respect for Dr. Dre and everything that they did to West coast didn't, didn't come as prevalent into my life until later, but you got to respect what the chronic did in the chronic 2000. Of course. I mean, just everybody the whole knows sound. Yeah. The whole G funk sound. And well, and even then in that same function, I would put Warren G as a better producer than Dr. DJ Dre Clue. to be e, uh, DJ quick. Yeah. DJ quick. DJ and, quick. Uh, and definitely Warren G to me were better producers, like overall producers yeah. than Dr. Dre. I think Dr. Dre had a lot of help when it came to some of that shit. He definitely knew how to make some of those rides, but Warren G knew how to make that true G funk when they're talking like regulating all that. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, I definitely want to hear some of our fans or view or listeners um, opinions on who they got in their top five. Cause uh, everybody's differs. Um, yeah. But I think ours is kind of, we, we kind of got some of the same ones cause we, we got some of the same influences when it comes to uh, the music and how it impacted our lives please so. subscribe please leave us a five-star review take the antidote.com